Hey there, my name is Sean Mallory, and this is my podcast, Where Did I Get Like This? A show that talks to people about the places they grew up and how that impacted their adult lives. This is episode six, and this month's guest is Kate Anderson. She is a former theatrical stage manager by training. She's gotten into some different career paths now and is a horse owner and enthusiast. And at the time of this recording was an expectant mother. Kate says that she's moved 24 times in her life. A couple things about this episode. There may be some sensitive topics to some listeners. We do touch on mental health, including the topic of suicide. And this was yet another interesting remote recording session. So there's some background noise, including a dog that was upset with Kate that she couldn't be in the room with her. So every now and then you might hear a little bit of uh, a dog whine in the background. All right. I hope you enjoy the episode. When I put this post out on Facebook, as I said, you were literally the first person to answer me and you seemed very excited about it. You are actually the second person in the entertainment world I've talked to, which is interesting. So if I could get you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about where you are in your I don't know, in your life, professionally, personally, whatever you'd like to share. Yeah, sure. I thought it was really interesting when you had posted it because my husband and I had just been talking about how I was like, I think when I moved so much growing up, it makes staying in one place either I almost get ready to move. I'm like, okay, I've lived here long enough. When are we moving again? But I'm 28 years old. Worked in theater for a really long time, all through college. That was all I did. But I've I've moved to Laurel, Mississippi. I now live in Petal, Mississippi. And I work for a recycling company out here now. And I've completely changed all of my hobbies and passions and kind of really found myself out here living with my husband. So it's been wild. So you're no longer doing theater at all? No, no, neither of us really do. And no interest to go back to it, huh? I don't really have an interest to go back to theater. If anything, I'd want to get into film. Mm. The film industry out here is really, really cool. And there's a ton of film going on. And the thing I would like most to get into is if I could do some stunt writing in the future. Oh, no kidding. For films. Yeah, because I got really into horses when I moved out here. And I own my own horse now. Nice. And there's a really great local stunt rider. He has a wagon. Uh Huh? And he'll rent his wagon to people doing Old West films and his crew. And they'll do like shootouts and like wagon chases. That's fun. So I thought that would be really cool. It kind of combines Benaya's uh, fight choreography stuff and gun stuff and my passion for horses. And I'm hoping to eventually make a career change and to do the equine industry huh. and kind of do stage management, but for rodeos and horse expos. Oh, no kidding. Kind of thing. Very cool. Is the film industry, is that all spillover from like Atlanta down there? Yeah, being in between Atlanta and New Orleans here, we get a ton of film stuff. Nice. I just thought it was interesting why you guys ended up in Mississippi. Yeah. So my husband, when we got together, he made his living three different ways. He did the fight choreography thing. He was a a professional actor and he also made swords. And there's actually a pretty predominant sword maker down in Laurel, Mississippi, Darkwood Armory. And that's owned by Scott Wilson and his wife, Leslie Wilson. And Benaya met him through his sword maker, now past Denny Graves, or his sword mentor, mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. And 
So when he met him, you know, then I would come down to Mississippi two or three times a year just to work in the shop and learn a few things, maybe get paid for a little extra work, kind of teach them some of the stuff he knows, you know, a little back and forth. And they would always kind of jokingly be like, oh, you know, if you ever want to move down here, there's work for you. And, you know, when we got married, living in Colorado was so expensive. We were really struggling to make ends meet. I was having a really hard time finding work, consistent work. And one day I did, I said, I was like, oh, what if we did move to Mississippi? And so at the end of the summer that year, we packed up all our stuff and spent our life savings to move down to Mississippi. Was this pre-2020? Yeah. Yeah. This was in 2018. How has the sword industry held up in the past year? Surprisingly well. Yeah. The industry took a major hit with big events and festivals kind of being shut down. Oh, yeah. This sword company sold a lot, made a lot of their business in what's called the SCA, which is just like a big kind of group for reenactor, like medieval reenactors. Like pretty much they go up to like the 17th century, I think, for reenactment. They would go and a huge chunk of their business would be made at large of like two week long one week long events where people come and they camp historically okay there's fighting tournaments like there's classes on historical dance and uh, so that's how they made a huge chunk of their income but sure. all of those got canceled in from 2020 and some even in 2021 are still canceled so but and benaya still has some private sales he actually just left the sword shop just to do some extra construction work because we bought a house where he's got a shed here that we just got power set up. And so he can do his swords and everything there. I could do a whole conversation on this. I, I mean, is Renaissance fairs and things like that all part of that world? No, it's a little bit more like historical fencing. Oh, okay, so it's actually it's like people who uh -huh. try. It's they're trained. Yes, they're... it's people who are trying very hard to recreate the historical master's manuals. Okay. Recreate what a historical sword looked like. Oh, very cool. They do Civil War reenactments yeah. and it's fake guns and everything else. But a, f a fake sword is kind of hard to pull off, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Right on. Well, like I said, I could I could sidetrack, but very cool. Sounds like you guys have carved out a nice little life for yourself down there. Yeah, yeah. We're actually really happy here. Yeah. You know, it's weird what you you don't think you like and then you get used to and you do. And Shocking. Well, so on that note, I grew up as a military brat. My dad was a, a Air Force pilot. We moved all over the place. By my counts, I moved about six times before graduating high school. And then I think upwards of nine or ten times since. And so I'm interested to see, especially now that I'm in this, I don't know if it's a midlife crisis or what it is, I'm interested in reflecting back on how that sort of growing up affected me and how I got to this point. And I wanted to reach out to people who may reflect on it in the same way. And your response was, I moved a ton as a kid. And I'm curious what a ton is for you. you wanna... Yeah. So when I, w I was actually, I'm adopted on top of all of this. Okay. So I was born in Denver and my parents lived, actually, it's kind of funny. They lived in a house that after everything, I still ended up going to the same high school I would have gone to if I had never moved. Huh. But I'll get to that. Okay. So they yeah. lived in a little house in Aurora. And then before I was six months old, they moved to New Mexico. Okay. Where? So Las Vegas, New Mexico. I was born in New Mexico myself. So, so right. go ahead. We were in New Mexico. <laughs> then we moved to Henderson, Nebraska. Yeah. Then we moved to Wahoo, Nebraska. Then we moved to Colby, Kansas. 
And then when we lived in Colby is when my parents decided to get a divorce. Okay. My parents split up. I moved with my mom back to Inglewood, Colorado. So we lived in that house for a little while. Meanwhile, my dad is still moving and I'm splitting my time with him. So my dad moved from Colby, Kansas. I think right after that was when he moved to Rangeley, Colorado. And I actually really loved that town and I really loved that community. Hmm. And I was really sad when he moved away from there. I would spend every summer there for several years. I just, it was a great small mountain town. Mm -hmm. Then he moved to, I think that's when, after he went through a lot, both of my parents went through a long spell of unemployment after the 2008 recession. He moved to Holyoke, Colorado, and then they moved to... Grand Junction, Colorado. Then they move. So yeah. at some point along here, my dad marries a woman. She has kids, but they're grown. They're in college. I'm in high, middle school, high school. Okay. Then they moved to wow. What was next? So Grand Junction. Then they moved to Glenwood Springs, Colorado. My dad stayed there the longest. They ended up buying a house just outside of Glenwood. Okay. But then my dad ended up having to take a job in way southeast Colorado. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name. It's a really small town. If someone said the name of it, I would know exactly what it was. He stayed there until he pretty much made it to retirement. Then he moved back. And my mom and I, in all of that, only moved once when they were able to buy a house back in Aurora that put me back on track to go to Smoky Hill High School. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to back up a little bit. So, I mean, I've joked with people that moved around this much. I mean, were you guys on the the run from the law or (laughs) what was the reason for for those moves? Uh, All my dad's work. My dad is a hospital administrator. Okay. I don't really have a ton of details. I never Mm. knew why his job. I don't know if he was ever fired. (laughs) I don't know. Sure. He decided to leave because he was offered something better, especially early on. When we lived in Kansas, there was this whole big public thing with this doctor that my dad had to fire but he the doctor was like an old like lived in the town a long time and pretty much like slandered my dad and our family about why he was fired and he was fired because he was an alcoholic like was a bad doctor (laughs) okay but that's like really the only time i had a ton of details as to why my dad lost his job or left his job or whatever but Mm -hmm. yeah it was pretty much always my dad's job and i think it that was a big part of why my parents got divorced is because my mom got so tired of having to move all the time. And it sounds like some smaller towns in general. Yeah, yeah. We never really, yeah, until that my parents got divorced, we always lived in really small towns. Okay. Do you know what your dad's life was like growing up? Yeah, they, a little bit. My dad's childhood wasn't like super great. And they lived in Iowa most of his life. And he did, like his parents did a little bit. I know my grandpa they both tried to make farming work for a little while, but my grandpa also worked the newspaper. Okay. My dad's like quite a bit older. He was 42 when I was adopted. So he like grew up and he was in the Navy during Vietnam. And so I'm just curious about what that looks like being passed down, you know? Yeah. No, he did not move anywhere near as often yeah. as we did. But he seems like he was built for it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Very strange indeed. I've kind of always thought about that too. When did you start making memories about these moves? Do you do you recall? 
I vaguely remember some stuff about Henderson, mm-hmm. Nebraska. So I would have been about two years old when we were living there. I don't remember a ton. I have a lot of memories from Wahoo, Nebraska and onward. Wahoo. I went to uh, high school in a suburb, Omaha, myself. Oh, yeah. Not a lot there. You weren't old enough to do like corn detasseling or anything, were you? No, but I remember little, like a lot of small town things and my dad being really, like our family was really involved in the community there. And so we did like, it was called the Bicycle Rodeo and it was all about like kids bike safety. And my dad was a biking enthusiast. In fact, when I was right after I was, or right before I was born, my dad had a bike shop in Denver, but it burned to the ground. Hmm. Someone lit the laundromat next to it on fire. And he decided to go to grad school after that. And that's when the hospital administration career started. So again, early on memories of those moves, do you, do you remember those being difficult at that young age or did it, did it even phase you? I remember always being sad when we had to move because you had to leave your friends and go to a new school, but then you're also kind of excited to be in a new place because especially in small towns, like where everyone's known each other their whole life and people don't, move in or move out that often you're like the center of attention for a few weeks at a new school like a local celebrity sort of thing yes and i think i always like thrive i was a very attention-seeking child oh. i loved being the center of attention so. okay but so then, that was fun for you yeah in some ways but then i really resented moving from even though it's so funny how you can remember certain things even from such a young age like sure i remember in wahoo because we were so young when we moved there when i started elementary school i was a part of like the main core of kids and i remember even in like kindergarten and first grade being kind of very well accepted never like i wasn't bullied like didn't really struggle in school kind of was one of the more popular kids like pretty typical and i think my life would have been very different if we had stayed there because in Kansas, I was not, oh my God, I was so bullied, was such an outcast, like did not like going to school, just had a, did not like any of the kids in like my Sunday school group. I just had a hard time there. And what was different? I, I don't know. Maybe we started, maybe I started act, maybe I was a weird, maybe I was a little weirdo <laughs> moving so much, but I think a lot of it was being new from the outside and just not necessarily like clicking with everyone. And, you know, I think by the time you're in third grade, a lot of those social structures are already pretty well established. I guess I did first, second and third grade partially in Kansas. And so I think a lot of those social dynamics are starting to become well ingrained. Cause I think if you talk to anyone that like went to the like same middle school, high school, elementary school with all the same people, it's pretty easy to see the the social outcome of where of what click those kids are going to end up. Interesting. In high, you as an outsider school. could see that. No, I think like if you like if you're an outside like if you observe kids uh, now, oh, yeah. like I think if you went to a class of fourth graders that have all been there and they're on track to, I think you can pretty much nail down what what click they're going to be in in high school. Huh. I think we start seeing those pretty early on. Do you remember? Were there anybody? that were similar to the way you guys had moved and stuff? I mean, were there Air Force kids or anything like that in any of those places? Nah, no, I, I couldn't even say that. Like, there's been a handful. Actually, it's kind of crazy. I ran into one of the kids that I went to elementary school with, and, like, they, we went to church with them, and, like, our parents were friends. 
I, I did not like this kid. Yeah. Not get along. <laughs> and freshman year of college in Colorado at CU Boulder. Yeah. We were both in the overflow dorm. Okay. And so we were at some like dorm social and he was like, are you Kate? And my, obviously my maiden name. Sure. Like, he's like, are you Kate Boyles? And I was like, yes. He's like, do you remember me? I'm Sam Kendrick. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I've had several people from my past, like want to reconnect as adults. And I'm like, you were mean to me as a kid. I don't want to talk to mm-hmm. you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to reconnect with you. But I thought right. that was so insane. I was like, oh my gosh, you're here. It's, we're both at CU Boulder in the overflow dorm from Colby, Kansas, like this tiny town off I-70. Hmm. But no, from what I remember, I was really, I don't remember really a ton of kids moving into town and like starting class with us when I started, which is why I think like it was always so exciting when you had a new student in class, like that joined in the middle of the year because it didn't happen very often. Sure. And how often, I mean, how much notice did you guys get with your moves? Was it real quick usually? Yeah, I always felt like when you're the, like that first week of school, uh-huh. When you join, yeah. you're kind of like special and everyone wants to like be nice to you. And like, it's always strange. I can never remember like what clicks for like why you choose to be friends with the people you end up being friends with. But sure. Yeah. You just do. But in terms of the moves with your family, I mean, did you guys move midsummers usually or was it middle of the school year sort of thing? It was usually, Combo? I don't think, yeah, we were ever afforded the like, like I where I work now. We have some guys that are relocating to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. That's pretty much the same as Petal. It's kind of like Aurora to Denver. Okay. So much smaller. Right. They like let their their wives stay in the old town and their kids like finish out the school year huh. before they come down here. And I'm like, my parents never did that with okay. me. Yeah. Like they uprooted us in the middle of the school year and we all moved together. Yeah. My parents tried to time it, you know, either at a Christmas break or a summer break. I don't know that we ever moved like mid-semester. That would be really jarring. But you're saying that happened to you? Yeah, pretty much every single time. I wow. do not remember ever like starting the year the same as everyone else, except like when we moved from, when my mom and I moved from our house in Inglewood to our house in Aurora, like that was over the summer so that I could, and she did it very strategically so that like I started middle school at my new middle school to track to my new high school. And so I started the summer with all the other sixth graders. Oh, that's actually a really good time for that. huh? Yeah. So, but no, every other time I remember it, like we were there in the middle of the school year, like school had definitely started already. But again, your experience with it was the local celebrity versus the sort of being isolated for that. Yeah. Right on. You mentioned church. Uh, Was that an important thing to your family growing up? Yeah, for a little while, like my parents, we always went to Methodist church and I grew up going to Sunday school and my parents were always involved in church things. Hmm. And, you know, they both kept that up for a while when my parents got divorced. And then on for me and my mom, I had a cousin pass away of cancer Hmm. really young. Like she was it was just before her 25th birthday, actually. And that was really jarring to my family. And we kind of my mom kind of like got really uninvolved with church. Mm -hmm after that and i don't go to church or anything now that's not something i'm planning on doing with my kids or anything like that but my dad was always really involved in church wherever he lived i was just curious if that was another community that you could tap into in all of this chaos that seemed to be happening around your life the biggest church memories i had like i remember what our church looked like in wahoo 
because it was very grandiose, a very beautiful church. And I remember I had yeah. like vague childhood memories of like being in a Christmas play. I like did the plays. I know, shocking. I did the plays <laughs> at every single <laughs> church group I was in. Nice. I did not like the people I went to church with in Kansas. So uh-huh. that was definitely not a positive thing for me. That was not like a safe haven for me at all when we lived in Kansas. And then I did like my church when we moved to Colorado in Inglewood. We had a church that was really close to our house that I really liked. And just after we moved away from that area, we didn't go there anymore and never really went to church again after that. Hmm. You guys were out sort of west and kind of kept moving, moved east and then went to Colorado. Do you remember it being sort of a cultural shift after being in the Midwest? Yes. Oh, my gosh. The biggest thing is the school system. I remember I was like two years behind everyone in like mm. pretty much everything but reading comprehension. No way. But when I got to Kansas or back to Colorado, you know, I was in the Cherry Creek School District. Everyone was much further ahead. It was a much larger school, much larger class size. And I struggled a lot. And I was also, you know, dealing with the emotional trauma of my parents' divorce. Right. And, it's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And so I remember having to go to Sylvan for tutoring. And I just hate, I think that's where I just like learned just a deep resentment for schoolwork was <laughs> early on. And yeah. I didn't have like an adult in my life that was, you know, checking up on me be like, mm. oh, did you do your homework? Or can I help you with your homework? Like my mom never did homework with me. She worked like 60 hours a week right after my parents got divorced. And okay. I just like did not have that stability in my life. And I just hated going to the Sylvan Learning Center so much. I hated going to tutoring. I hated math <sighs> so much. Like we never had home. I went from no homework ever yeah. to now like in Cherry Creek School District, you had a lot of homework for a third grader. <laughs> okay. There's a lot to do. <laughs> But I remember the schooling system was vastly, like, hugely different from going from a small rural Kansas town to, like, living in Denver, essentially, and in yeah. Cherry Creek school districts. It was a really difficult transition. I bet. And so you finished out your schooling in Colorado then? Yes. Okay. Again, Denver being a growing city, you know, I mean, do you remember the just the change in the diversity of people and different circumstances? Oh, yeah. I yeah. Just I like that's part of why I don't feel I don't see us moving back to Denver mm, okay. ever. Even though my my whole family for my mom says like it's interesting after my parents got divorced like my dad moved so much his he was never really that close or stayed that close with his like brothers and sisters and his grandparents like it was very strange. So I don't actually even talk to anyone from my dad's side of the family. All right. Like I have my dad, his wife, my step siblings, and like mm-hmm. that's it. Okay. But my mom's side of the family, we're very close and like everyone lives in Colorado. And we kind of shook things up when we decided to move to Mississippi. So you were the sort of black sheep at that point. Yeah, because well, we had finally gotten one, the last set of cousins of like one of my aunt's kids. They had their kid, they had a baby and decided to move back to Colorado to be close to family. They had lived in Austin for a really long time in Texas. Yeah. And they finally moved back. And then like two years later. We moved away. So it goes. So we kind of ruined everything. But I remember Colorado being so different growing up, even in like high school and early college is such a different place than it is now. Oh, yeah, sure. And I, 
I don't like what it's turned into. I don't like this. I, I like visiting, but I get very grumpy at the traffic very quickly. It makes me, it's kind of, I'm very nostalgic for a version of Colorado that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So in your childhood, I mean, do you have a lot of memories about all that or? About what? Okay. So my sister and I have very few memories of our childhood, right? Mm -hmm. Most of them are things that we've been told over the years. Yeah. We have some connections with places that we've been, but both of us just seem to be like, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And so our childhood memories are just like lacking to say the least. Mm -hmm. I talked to one woman who had the exact opposite experience when she moved around. She hung on to these memories almost like a you know, a mental scrapbook of her life. And she could call up this place and that place and this family and this friends. If you look back on it, you know, is it good memories for you? Is it no memories for you? Is it, you I know? Mean, I wouldn't say a lot of my childhood memories were good. Fair. I actually would tell people I had like a pretty traumatic and unhappy childhood. But I think I'm very similar to that other person. Mm. But I have very almost nostalgic for like I grab onto anything that was positive and I get very nostalgic for it and I have like certain places in certain places I've lived that I can recall mm. exactly what we did there I can recall exactly what it looked like and if I drove back there okay. and I saw it I'd be like this is the place this is the exact place and I remember like this year we went to this thing and so some of those places are like the bowling alley in Colby Kansas mm -hmm. Like almost every kid had their birthday party there. Like I can, we, we would go there all the time with my dad. Like I can remember that place really well in Rangeley, Colorado. I can remember that whole town super well. I remember what the church looked like. I remember the rec center. I remember I love it. the little diner that we would go and eat at for breakfast and the donut shop. Like a lot, you'll find a lot of my memories have to do with restaurants and eating. Yeah. <laughs> like in Kansas, I also remember this Chinese restaurant that like our parents would take us all to like, you know, a group of parents. I don't really remember which families went with us, but I remember being at, a, like, at those places with a lot of people. And I can remember, I can remember like what every school I went to looked like. I kind of have like a distant memory of what those places smelled like. Wow. That's impressive. And like every single house we lived in, I could tell you, almost, well, not every single one, pretty much Wahoo, Nebraska and onward. I can remember a lot of those houses pretty well. Did you guys travel light as a family or were the moves sort of crazy? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I remember my mom. It's Part of this I probably remember because my mom still complains about it a lot is how ridiculously difficult all of our moves were and how like we had to get massive moving trucks and I do remember and I see it in my parents now especially my dad and his and his wife they are stuffed people uh. they have a lot of furniture a lot of knickknacks a lot of plates and this and that a lot of holiday decorations lots of and I remember having a lot of stuff as a kid too like yeah. so much stuff <laughs> books toys clothes yeah. shoes and I think as an adult, I've tried to get really far away from that. <laughs> okay. Like, I do not want a ton of stuff. And I think part, I, part of that is probably I've helped my dad move in adulthood so many times. And he, I'm like, why do you carry around all of these rocks? <laughs> like, I've literally helped my dad move rocks. Wow. Because his wife is obsessed with them. <laughs> and, like, super heavy antique furniture. Like, my dad has his dad's newspaper office desk 
from the turn of the century and it's like solid oak oh, and wow. massive and weighs like 300 pounds. Oh, that does not sound fun at all. Yeah. And so when we actually first moved to Mississippi, I just moved a bunch of Goodwill plates and cups and silverware that we had from our wedding. Uh-huh. Because I was like, well, if we want to move back to Colorado, because we both thought we'd live, well, we'll live in Mississippi for two years. We'll get a little bit of a savings. We'll move back to Colorado. Oh, yeah. And I'll just like throw all of this stuff away and we won't have to move with very much. And then we ended up liking it here and ended up doing a trip home from the holidays and packing up a bunch of our like weddings, like pe- not wedding stuff, but our gifts from our wedding. I gotcha. Like, our matching plates and bringing it all down here to have down here. No, our moves were intense. Like every time they'd put, my parents would put all of this effort into the houses. Like it was never, we never moved somewhere with the knowledge that, oh, this is temporary. Oh, interesting. We're probably going to move again in the next few years. So like my mom would, like they would do all the yard work. All of our houses were really nice. Mm -hmm. My dad had like made really good money doing what he did and after we were in elementary school, my mom worked part-time also. Mm. So we were always pretty financially stable and had nice things. So, and like the house we lived in in Wahoo, Nebraska was built in like 1892, I think. And my parents like did a ton of remodel work on that and they renovated it. And it was a beautiful house, but they put a ton of effort into all of these homes that, like because they never thought that they were going to move again. So they literally didn't, anticipate that as their lifestyle it just that just occurred it just yes (laughs) wow my mom loved that house in nebraska after a while even as a kid couldn't you see a pattern to it i don't have any memory of being like well i guess we're just moving like when are we moving again yeah like after i think when i was middle school forward hearing that my dad was moving again was just like oh shocker Uh, you know (laughs) with all the teenage disdain (laughs) dripping from it so you you knew it then but yeah i never wanted it to be true i see do you think there was some denial on your parents behalf of that or just living i don't know if it was denial or like hope like you know no one ever wants to go into a situation thinking like well this is temporary i'm probably gonna get fired from this job in three years so (laughs) well okay that's fair but i guess in my case it just was the exact opposite for us. I mean, we moved almost every three and a half years on average, and we just knew it, right? And so... Yeah, I I think that goes hand in hand with being a military kid. Like, you go somewhere Mm -hmm. and you know your assignment only lasts three to four years. Yeah. Is your dad an an Air Force officer? He was, yeah. Yeah, especially like for an officer. Mm -hmm. Sure. I feel like you know, you can kind of prepare your family like, you know, this is just our life. Yeah. It is what it is. We'll pay for your therapy when you're older. <laughs> well, no, in the 80s, that was never a consideration. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might be now, but. But with us, like, you never think of, oh, hospital administrator, there's a career that'll keep you on the road. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't really know any other hospital administrators, it, so sure. I can't say I've asked one. Yeah. I said, how long have you been in your position? But I feel like it is a very bureaucratic job sure. and can probably be very frustrating for people, but. I don't think anyone intends to move that much when you have a wife and two small kids that, you know, you met and got married in Denver and your wife's whole family lives in Denver. I don't think my mom had any idea what, like, she was shocked when my dad came home and said, I got a job, but it's in New Mexico and I took it. Right. Oh, without asking or considering? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, that (laughs) is the thing with the military. I mean, there is that understanding it can be a conversation. I, you know, I think people play it differently, but I know 
my parents always discussed it and always thought about if they had options, which wasn't always the case. They tried to weigh those and, you know, and everything else. But again, that was built into our lives. Yeah. We had that magic eight ball, at least, I guess, for our, our lifestyle. Yeah. What is the tally of the times that you moved, you know, before you're, you're being an adult? I think if I think about like for including the houses that I spent a significant amount of my life with in my dad's life after my parents split up, I think it was 13 houses okay. in 12 years. Wow. Is that a move a year roughly? What, is, what does that look like? It tallies up pretty quick because they're like the first few years, I don't think my dad even stayed anywhere for a full year because he didn't like any of the, they didn't like living the places they lived. Oh, I see. They didn't. And so it's like, you know, New Mexico, Henderson, Nebraska, Wahoo, Nebraska. There were two houses in Wahoo, Nebraska. I'm not sure if I ever count mm-hmm. those, but we'll just call it Wahoo. Colby, Kansas, my house in Inglewood, my house in Aurora. So that's six that like majorly affected me. Yeah. Seven moving from, or yeah, that no, that's six, including moving to Aurora. Mm-hmm. And then all my dad's moves after that yeah. were pretty intense. <laughs> a lot of moving. Wow. So you decided to stay here for college. Yeah. Was that a pretty deliberate choice to be close to family and what you knew? The decision to go to college was so strange for me because I did not do well in high school. I barely graduated. I was not a good student. And somehow I got into CU Boulder and I just like, I don't, I think I like didn't think I was really capable of doing mm. anything else, of going anywhere else. Okay. Yeah. I think I needed to like cling to anything that was familiar. I don't think I was really ready to go out on my own. I wanted to be out of my mom's house and away from my brother for sure. <laughs> but I really don't think I was ready for college sure. necessarily. Yeah. I thought about doing that. It's kind of hilarious now, like, cause I had not seen the, the South Park episode that makes fun of up with people oh, yeah. at the time, yeah. but I'd been offered like a spot with up with people oh, wow. and I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. I ended up turning it down because I think I got really scared about, being away from my family for that long and like traveling the world and again thinking like I do this like this isn't me but so I think that's why I stuck with theater is because it's what I had always done I was like I'll major in theater and I did not want to go to a community college because that kind of was presented to me as this like oh only like failures go to community (sighs) college like it's bad to go to community college and now that I have all my student loan debt I'm like wow I really wish I had like gone to community college yeah I hear that (laughs) yeah I think a lot of it was wanting to like feel like I belonged somewhere and like I had cousins that went to CU Boulder my dad got his master's from CU so And you know, it's Boulder, it's, you, you go and visit it and you're like, wow, I can live here. <laughs> sure. And then until you have to pay for it, right? Yeah. 18 year olds should not be allowed to sign on to $30,000 worth of loans. And credit but... cards. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's a whole other podcast. For a whole yeah, other yeah for sure. Yeah. It's actually strange. So then in college, I really clung to, I don't like moving. I don't want to move. I want to, I really clung to that stability. So after the dorms. I like did what no other college student did and I stayed in the same apartment for two and a half years. That's impressive. I refused to leave for the oh, summer. Oh, okay. Uh, you just hunkered down, huh? Like uh-huh. I didn't go home for the summer. I found things to do in Boulder, like work for the Shakespeare Festival, pick up a restaurant job to help pay bills, you know, whatever. I like do summer. I did summer school every year to try and like mm-hmm. knock out some prerequisites and like, you know, some classes. Oh, I see. I loved that apartment. <laughs> 
the guy like was like so emotionally attached to that apartment. It's kind of funny. When I did leave CU, it was when I studied abroad. Oh yeah, which is a you know big scary thing. What did that look like? Uh, such a strange combination of good and bad. With without getting too much into it because it's not super relevant to the topic. Okay. I had my 17 year old cousin had committed suicide mm. in the fall oh in September before I was supposed to go to that, and so I was really nervous to leave and I was dealing with a lot of Mm. things on my own emotionally and so I kind of was a little bit of a manic person in New Zealand like it was the highs were high and the lows were low we'll say that and I probably drank way too much (laughs) (laughs) just had a wild time but I think that experience was really important in shaping my who I am today and Mm. I think it was an important experience to have but I probably could have handled some social situations differently. And I think I learned a lot about myself while I was there. But things I had to reflect on to really get the lesson, you know? Did you get it at the time or is this reflecting after the fact? That this is definitely years afterwards. Yeah. That I feel like I truly learned from any of those situations. Hmm. But so when I came back, I did not go back to school. (laughs) I definitely dropped out because I was just like, I need a break from college okay and i just decided to play rugby very competitively was that something you started over in new zealand yeah okay yep i did i just i got to new zealand and i just decided i'm gonna play rugby nice (laughs) i really ran with it when i got home i want to punch a girl in the face or whatever yeah Yeah. okay so when i got back i'm trying to think where even though it's like the most recent time in my life it's a little fuzzy I probably smoked the most pot during this time in my life. And so when they say, oh, pot doesn't affect your memory, I was like, I would beg to differ. But <laughs> that's me. Okay. So I was like, just doing thing where you like live with friends and roommates. You know, you work at restaurants. Mm-hmm. Okay, actually, I did try to go back to school first semester. This is why I don't remember it, because I did not have a good time. I think I took some time off, tried to go back my first semester back, and I lived with a girl. We lived in Federal Heights and both commuted to Boulder, and I let her boyfriend live with us, and that was not a good idea. Mm. And so in the middle of the semester, I decided I wanted to move out, and so I somehow managed to finish that semester living with my mom in a, at her house in Aurora and going to Boulder to finish those last bit of classes. And then after that semester, I did not go back. I was like, I don't have anywhere to live in Boulder. I... Okay. I need a break. And so I just started working at a restaurant. Yes, I moved back to Aurora. I left the restaurant that I had been working at in Denver to work at Dry Dock in Aurora. The brewery? Yeah, it was a great time. I bet. So I was just like living with my mom and so not having like a very high cost of living, making pretty good like bartending money working at Dry Dock, doing rugby and CrossFit and all the things and that's when I was like I'm gonna try doing theater again and that's <laughs> where I started doing a handful of gigs at some of the smaller theaters you know like vintage the Aurora Fox mm-hmm. just different places like that oh, yeah. ended up moving in with a girl I went to high school with that we were really good friends and her friend and after Benaya and I got engaged I moved back with him and then this is like so again now I have a period of a lot of moving Okay. So I lived in this apartment for a year. Mm-hmm. That was our lease. And then I knew when that lease was over, I was like, I don't want to live with these two girls anymore. I want to live with Anaya. And so I had to like 
drop a lot of hints to my now husband. I was like, please ask me to move in with you. (laughs) I moved back to Boulder with him because he lived in an apartment that his friend actually owned. Hmm. So we lived in that in like a 400 square foot studio, like one bedroom apartment together. In fact, if it was a studio, I probably would have liked that apartment Uh. better because the walls to make the bedroom just took up such an unnecessary amount of space. So I moved in with him at the end of the summer or like fall, December time. I think that's when that happened. And I stayed there with him, did some online classes, kept working at, at different bars and stuff and doing a lot of freelance gigs. And then I, I was like, okay, I finally lived back in Boulder. I'm engaged now. Nice. Like I want to, I finally went back to school and finished my degree mm. at CU Boulder. Just was like, I'm just going to power through this. I'm not going to work on any shows, drop my BFA, just get a regular BA. Like I just, I just want to be done. <laughs> yeah. And then I wanted to move out. And now it's so funny. I like complained about living in that tiny apartment in Boulder on the hill so much when we did it. And now I'm like, God, I really miss that apartment. Like, I love, like, <laughs> I love living there so much. And Benaya is just like, no, you, no, you didn't. <laughs> it was fun. It's definitely fond to look back on. But then we moved to a bigger apartment in Longmont. But the crazy, so the crazy thing about Colorado is that out in the boonies in Longmont, like our neighbors were cows. <laughs> okay. In a Schedule A type housing. A two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment was still twelve hundred dollars. No kidding! Wow, it's Schedule That's A. That's crazy. Huh. Yeah, and so it was while we lived in that apartment that we were just struggling. Gigs were few and far between, and like, a, quite I, like, a hike to get to, right? <laughs> his shop where he did swords was in Longmont, and a lot of the work that I was doing was in Boulder at the time. I see. And I was yeah. doing an unpaid internship, which of course is good for the career mm-hmm. financially, sure. not so great, yeah. but. It is what it is. That's when we lived in the Longmont apartments when I was like, but let's just move to Mississippi. Okay. And so we did. We moved to Mississippi and it was very shocking at first. Uh But then once I got a job here and, you know, they say money can't buy happiness, but financial stability does bring like quite a lot of peace of mind. Yeah. (laughs) And then when we lived here, we pretty much moved every year since we've lived here because of just lease issues, you know? Mm hmm. Had some very traumatic issues with bugs inside that apartment. Yikes. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to live in this apartment anymore. We ended up renting a house in Laurel with a roommate, which was great because that's when COVID shut everything down. Sure. And I got to work from, I mean, no, COVID is not great. Yeah. But <laughs> no, but you I had a built-in like, I had a, yeah. saved a ton of money on gas and just got to like live with my one of my like now closest friends and my husband. And yeah, sure. Very reminiscent of like being in college living up there and then in October our roommate was like well I'm ready to you know I'm ready to be a big boy and I want (laughs) to live by myself and I was like great I think we're ready to try to buy a house Uh so we moved from Hattiesburg Mississippi to Laurel Mississippi and then we bought this house in Petal setting it up has been so different than any other experience because for once in my life I'm like wow we could live here for like five years before we move again (laughs) you know we own this house we're putting effort into it that we'll get return on that's got to be a good feeling yeah that's why i was so excited when you posted your Mm -hmm. post on facebook about this podcast because it has been on the forefront of my mind is how moving so much it's like i have this strange feeling of extreme relief to be here and have this stability sure but at the same time i'm like so ready to move again 
almost. How often do you feel that that sort of itch kick in? It's really been kind of a recent thing. And I think part of it, ironically, is that for a while before, actually before I got pregnant, I was talking to an army recruiter about joining the military and trying to go to officer candidacy school for the army. Wow. And because I was like, you know what? I I would not be mad if they told me uh, you have to go move to Europe. Sure. Are you glad that and didn't happen? And then I happen? found out I was pregnant. Oh, you can't. You can be in the military and be pregnant, but you can't but join the military mm. while you're pregnant. So uh. I've like, and then talking to Benaya, like I'm like, it's so strange. Like I feel like that's the hardest thing for a lot of people when they decide to have a military career is sure is all the moving. Yeah, and I was like, I kind of like the moving. Okay, like you know, three to four years somewhere, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to like mm -hmm. explore a new part of the the world, the country. That is interesting too. I've I've had sort of mixed re, you know results on that one. Some people are like, "No, I planted here. I'm never moving again. I'm gonna, they're gonna have to wheel me out of this house one way or the other." You know. Yeah. Other people are like, "Every two years, I've got to go." You know. I'm not sure where on that scale I fit right now because I kind of feel a little bit of both. Where I'm like, "Wow, I love my house. Like, yeah, I love this house, and I'm having so much fun." I mean, it's stressful to. Uh, sure. Be making a person and trying to unpack and like remodel your house at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But fun, yeah. I really do love my house and nice. like, where we live and the people mm -hmm. that we're surrounded by here. Mm -hmm. But it's also just very hard for me to imagine living somewhere for like five years or 10 years, you know? Okay. Like I'm not particularly close with anyone I grew up with. Like I don't have friends that oh I've known you since elementary school and we can reminisce on all those things we did together. Mm -hmm. I don't even really talk to that many people from high school yeah sure and the handful that I do we're all like wow I was such a dumpster fire in high school let's not talk about that <laughs> and most of us have actually ironically moved away from Colorado and found a lot of peace mm -hmm. like inner peace in doing that interesting and getting away from our families and getting huh. away from all those familiar things and yeah. making your own environment. And so it's very strange to me. It's, this is obviously something I, I do think about a lot. I'm like, wow, I love this house and I'm very excited to be here for more than a year and potentially, to, oh, oh my gosh, like even two years in one place. Like, wow. Yeah. Uh -huh. I think in the past four years, I've moved five times. Okay. How does your husband handle all this moving? He's, He's Is he in the same category? Nothing bothers Benaya. He, no. is, he is a cucumber. Okay. He he teases me when I say I'm like, oh my gosh, we're gonna move again. Like, aren't we? He's like, yeah, maybe we could like not move uh, okay. for a little while. Yeah. But he's very supportive of if I do still end up joining the army and doing that life. Okay. He's super supportive of that. Sure. Uh -huh. He's very supportive if we just want to stay in Mississippi. He is just hmm. whatever makes you happy because he is unshakable. Well, that's good. It's very good to have that. He's a great partner for someone that is as erratic as I am because he is a very stable person. That's that's good. A yin and yang. Yeah, we, we really are. You are the first person I've talked to who's actually in the process of creating a new human. Congrats. You said you're due in June? Yeah, June 28th. So even before I knew about that, I had thought about questions I wanted to talk to people about. And so you're having a kid. Mm -hmm. How do you imagine this child's life will differ from yours? I mean, how much would you like it to be similar or not similar? Oh, I think my kid's life is going to be very different than mine. And I'm hoping I can do everything I can to make sure they have a very happy childhood. Because I did not have a happy childhood. But mm -hmm. in the regards to moving, you know, the only thing I could see that would keep us on the road is if I joined the military. Because I'm 28, I only have a few more years to make that decision. Sure. I think 
30 is technically the cutoff, but if you enlist at 30, you have to be enrolled in like officer candidacy school by the time you're 30. Okay. I, I could be completely wrong about this. It's been a few months since I talked to the recruiter, but that's the sheer timeline in terms of getting through officer school and all of that stuff, right? Yes. So, yeah. 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 I have to enlist by the time I'm 30 if I want to go down that path. So I've I got see. two years currently. I'm turning 29 in August. So yeah. Only a year and a half, actually. I gotcha. I really only see that currently being the only thing that would keep us moving around a lot. Okay. I think when my grandparents pass on, my mom is going to move down here with us to be close to her grandchild. Oh, nice. But it's hard for me to think about how moving would affect them because I think if we did the military career, living in different countries and getting that like rich growing up experience would be very good for them in some ways. Mm -hmm. But I can also be very empathetic about how hard it is to move that many times when you're a kid and you don't get to really make that many friends. And then my own perspective is like, well, I turned out okay. And, you know, (laughs) there's so many things that seem so important to you in middle school. You know, when you're like in your 20s, you're like middle school and high school, you're like, wow, that did not matter at all in the long run. But at the time, they're just so important. Sure. It's hard to like say how someone's going to handle that. Be like, oh, you can't be in your fifth grade play because we're moving. It's like you can tell them, you know, 10 years down the road, that's not going to matter to you at all. But to that fifth grader, that is just it's the whole world to them at that moment. Mm -hmm. The whole parenting thing, I think I'm just going to wing it. Oh, good for you. And you know what? If they need therapy, I'll write a check. Uh, That's a that's a cool approach. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I hope that we make good decisions. And yeah. I see us in this house for at least if if I don't join the military, if and we decide to stay here, I see us in this house for at least five years before we'd want something a little bigger. Okay. It is a small house. It's about a thousand square feet. It's two bedrooms, one bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so sure. yeah. We've already filled every bedroom <laughs> sure. accidentally. Yeah. So. Okay. It sounds like you have seen some pros and cons to the way you were raised. Is that does that sound true to you? Yeah, I do. And it's it's also just interesting. Like, we did not plan kids. Yeah. We actually were talking about not having kids and, like, taking those next steps to make sure we didn't have kids. And then I got pregnant. So it, that did change our perspective on certain sure? things. Because, yeah. you know, if it's just the two of us, like, moving every three to four years sounds like a pretty grand adventure, especially if you know, going to, especially if like Europe and overseas moves are included in that, that sounds great. But then when you're towing your, your child along with you, it does change that narrative (laughs) a little bit. Well, I guess, so you've been in all these small towns and stuff. I mean, you lived in either a small town all your life or you moved around, you know, do you see one being more ideal than the other based on how you were raised? Personally, myself, I really do like living in small towns a little bit better. Yeah. Not like so, so tiny, but I think Hattiesburg and Petal are really good size, like where you're really within drive. Like I can drive in two hours and be in New Orleans if I want to do that. So I feel like you still can get a lot of the things that you get when you live in a big city, such as diversity or, Mm -hmm. you know, the museums, the restaurant, the cultural experience, like that's still there. But I like the quieter pace of a small town. I like the property prices in a small town. Sure, sure. I like yeah. that, you know, I know all of my neighbors here. Yeah. And it doesn't take, it takes me 20 minutes to get from one side of town to the other. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. the longest amount of driving that I have to do really anywhere. Sounds lovely. And, you know, you go camping and you actually get some like solitude from people. Mm-hmm. 
So I definitely like living in small towns. I like living in a house versus an apartment. I wouldn't hate living in a big city if it was a big, like exciting city. Like again, here, if it was like somewhere in Berlin or like something like that, but I do really enjoy living in smaller towns now. Well, with that in mind, I mean, the way you were raised gave you, uh, I don't know, the the take on a, a lot of different sides or sides, right? Mm-hmm. I like I've been asking people, you know, how do you feel the, like the way you grew up shaped the way you see the world? And you just mentioned like diversity and culture. And I'm just curious if that ties into anything for you. Personally, identify with that meme that it's like, be kind to everyone. You never know what someone else is going through. And then also like telling someone to die in a car fire in traffic. Okay. That sounds so, human. Yeah. I, yeah. I do like being around different people. I think I like living in different places. And it's actually, especially with the political climate we live in right now. Mm, sure. I think I have a lot more empathy for different perspectives. Being someone who lived in Boulder, Colorado on the hill yeah. and moved to southeast Mississippi. And I know people from both these places. I have respect for people from both of these places. And I can see how growing up somewhere could change your political outlook on something like that. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that I get to have this kind of experience. But then I also have this huge resentment for people who never move mm-hmm. and never even visit. Like there are people who live down here that have never left the state. Oh, sure. And I knew kids in Chicago that had never been outside of Illinois or, you know, outside of Chicago proper, you know. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's that same sense of enclosure, I guess, you know. Yeah. And this echo chamber, like, especially in the like living somewhere like Southeast Mississippi that has such a bad reputation. But then you live here and I'm like, I love living here. I love the people I've met here. Yeah. I've definitely think that people who have lived in Colorado and other like liberal havens their whole life. And I'm like saying that as a liberal leaning person, Sure, yeah, they yeah. kind of get rose colored glasses about the issues in their own cities. And they're like, well, I could never live in Southeast Mississippi because they're so racist and we don't have racism in Colorado. Oh, yeah. and I'm like, Oh my God, you have racism in Colorado. Yes. And you definitely interact with way more people of color and like different people, poor people, you definitely interact with all of that down here more. Like the neighborhood we lived in, in Laurel, was a nice neighborhood. Yeah. It was a good neighborhood. It was all house. Like everyone had a house and multiple cars and a big yard. And we were one of two white families on the block. And it's like, you don't get that kind of experience to interact with different people and their different perspective in Colorado. Like we had one neighbor in like the entire neighborhood in Aurora that wasn't white. Hmm. So I'm very grateful to have that kind of different worldview and different experience getting to know people that I may even disagree with and don't necessarily, but you can see where it comes from. Yeah. Why someone's perspective has become what it was when you've lived Mm -hmm. where they've lived. Yeah, for sure. In a way that you can't, when you've only lived in the same place with the same people who have the same perspective as you. So Mm. I think that moving around a lot as an adult can have a lot of value to someone's life. While I can also see that maybe doing it as a kid can be, a negative experience or mm-hmm. negative at the time, but something sure. you grow up to be like, well, it doesn't really bother me as much now as I thought it would. Yeah. It just, yeah, I, that's the camp I'm in. Yeah. I don't remember liking moving as a kid and, you know, always hated that transition and never fared well in the friends department. Yeah. But as I look back at it as an adult, I got to see how other people lived. I got to see 
and meet different types of people, you know, and I, yeah. I wasn't afraid of that. And I wasn't, so yes, I'm in the same boat where I feel grateful now looking back at it where I didn't appreciate it growing up. Again, it goes back to that. It's like when you're making parenting decisions yourself, mm-hmm. You don't want to be that heartless parent that just says, you're, you know, this isn't going to matter to you in 10 years because yeah. you know what? It really is the entire world to right. a child. So yeah. mm-hmm. finding that balance is going to be probably one of the biggest challenges of parenting, I think. I think it's cool that you have sort of both perspectives, though, that you're going to balance instead of one or the other. I think that's a win for you. Yeah. You know? Put that in the <laughs> checkbox for parenting. <laughs> When I uh, put that Facebook post out originally, I had some theater guys that I had worked with over the years, a couple of just, you know, surly stagehand kind of guys. And mm-hmm. you know, one guy was giving me a hard time saying uh, something to the effect I was looking for these patterns when everything is sort of chaos and generalities, right? That connecting dots that don't necessarily exist. And I'm not trying to project them on any of these situations, but you can see them. And yeah. I think, what do you do different? What do you pass along to your kid? You're in a, an interesting position. Maybe there doesn't have to be patterns, but you know that way of life. I think, and I think a lot of it also has to do with, you know, how happy was your childhood? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, did you move around? You know, obviously, correlation doesn't equal causation. And, yeah. You know, you could go on and on. But, mm-hmm. yeah, to say that there's that, like, moving around a lot mm-hmm. versus not yeah. your parents still live in the same house that they had when you were born, I think it definitely has a major effect on your interaction with people around you, your empathy, right. your perspective on the world. like. Mm-hmm how willing you are to try new things. I mean, obviously other factors play into it, but like, why wouldn't you want to ask questions and have conversations Mm. about these things? Sounds like you're living a very examined life then. Yeah, well. (laughs) Well, not everyone does that, right? Yeah, I try. Well, I had to pay a therapist a lot of money to convince me to look in person. Well, okay. (laughs) You get there how you can, right? I get it. Oh, yeah. I think everyone should go to therapy as an adult, even if you think like you had a really happy life and you don't mm-hmm. have anything. I think you learn so much about yourself I can vouch for that. in doing that process. This past year, I think a lot of people have discovered it too, you know? Oh yeah. When you're just trapped in your house with only your thoughts and you know, some people you still have your work and some people did not have that work to distract themselves. I think exactly. I think a lot of people probably learned a lot about themselves in 2020. <laughs> Yeah, and what their identity was, right? I mean, yeah. so many of us that tie ourselves to our work and our our career that we've been struggling for, you know, I mean, yep. it's, yeah, it feels like a, a weird, different, cleaner slate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So where does that put your tally at in your adult life? How many times can you track? Let's see. So since college, moved to Boulder. I don't think we'll count New Zealand because that was obviously temporary. I disagree because you still had to go there and come back. I had to go there and come back in six months. So yeah, we'll count Boulder, New Zealand, Federal Heights, back to Aurora, a different apartment in Aurora, Boulder, Longmont, Aurora, Hattie, oh my gosh, Hattiesburg, (laughs) Laurel, and now, okay, that's 11 times since I was 18 years old. Call 11? Yeah, 11 solid moves since I was 18. When you talk it up like that, I mean... Do you think you're still being impacted by this nomadic lifestyle? I think a little. Well, obviously, I, I changed my life. entirely. I'm a different person that lives here now in Mississippi than I was in Colorado. Mm. And I don't think I would have been so willing to up and relocate my life mm-hmm. to somewhere that I don't have any family. I don't have any friends. I don't have a job. I don't have a place to live. Yeah. But we're just going to go. 
I don't think I would have been as willing to do that move had I not moved so much in my life before. Would have been way harder. Yeah, I don't think I would have had the courage to do that or even the resources. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, packing a moving truck is a life skill. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And knowing like, well, what can I buy when I get, what's going to be cheaper to buy when you get there than it is to move with you. And so I think, yeah, it had like in how the events of my life that I did have control over Mm -hmm. played out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely had a major effect. I do not think I would have suggested us to move to Mississippi had I not moved so much before. Like I'd already, Mm. like if you think about it, if I lived in Colorado my whole life, I never would have lived away from my extended family. Mm -hmm. But I spent half my life away from my extended family. So that wasn't as scary. Right. What is your relationships with your, you know, family these days? And you said you didn't really have much contact with a lot of friends you grew up with, but family. We're all fairly as close as adult cousins that all have kids can be. You know, I texted all my cousins when I found out I was pregnant. I can't say they've all told me directly when they've had those changes in their life, but it was important to me to do that. Yeah. All of my aunts and I, I think, have stayed pretty close. Mm -hmm. They offer me words of wisdom every now and then because they knew when I found out I was pregnant that I was really scared and surprised. Sure. Yeah. I think we actually reach out to each other more now that I live in Mississippi than I ever did when we lived in Colorado. Huh. But, you know, I got to see them more. Yeah. But the I feel like the scenarios in which I saw them were more like social things. You know, it's Easter. It's Mother's Day, you know. Okay. I do miss getting to be there. Like, you know, ever, since we all lived in the same place, every holiday, it's like, well, the whole family of like 20 people is getting together. Every, you know, major thing. Yeah. We're getting together for that. You know, I do miss that. But I do feel like I talk about more of the real stuff with a lot of my extended family more now that I don't get to like check in with them at like social events. So it's almost got more meaning to you now. Yeah. We never really knew our cousins. We never knew our grandparents growing up. I think that was always the thing that I missed the most. You know, I envied people that grew up with their cousins and stuff as their friends and have never really forged those connections with adult cousins, you know. So I think it's really awesome that you have that. Yeah, I I do anticipate the adult cousins us getting further. I I don't think we're going to stay as close. I think I'm not I can't say for certain, but I feel like some of them may have a different perspective on that. Mm -hmm. Because some of them have gotten, you know, when they all, you know, the first cousin had kids, then the other set of cousin, you know, couples, because we're all kind of we all were like born in like age pairs. So, you know, the first one gets married and has kids and the other ones don't have kids. You know, there's a rift in your friendship there. And then when the other couple does have kids, you know, there's a reconnection. Uh And I've definitely seen some of my cousins reconnect and get closer to their or get closer to their adult siblings that they may have had some issues with growing up. Hmm. I've definitely seen that for them. But I think unless I moved back to Colorado, I don't really see us getting very close because they're yeah they've got their own family to focus on and you know especially when my grandparents pass away sure you know their parents are gonna you know i never knew my grand my mom's cousins Mm. you know so like why would my kids necessarily know my cousins a lot you know yeah and so i hope i get to be closer to like my step siblings and my husband's siblings and that we can all find we all live in different states you know my step siblings live in oregon and Colorado and his brother and his wife are in Colorado Springs. And then he's got a sister mm-hmm. in Kansas. So we're all spread out. So we're all hoping that we can make some effort to like 
do a camping trip every year or something like that where our kids can see each other and grow up together. Do you see traveling in that way important for your future family? Yeah, I would love to do stuff like yeah. I like teaching your kids to have the patience for a road trip is <laughs> I think super important. <laughs> Sure. Get it, letting them see their grandparents. His parents live in Colorado, or not Colorado, they live in Kansas. Mm-hmm. You know, if my mom moves down here, I think that would be great because I, yeah. I miss my mom and I want her to be close to her grandchild. So, oh, I see. but I don't see his parents moving down here because they're closest to his sister yeah. and his family in Kansas. So, it's funny that you say that because so my sister went to CSU. My parents uh, lived here in Denver. Back in December, my sister who has two kids of her own, decided to move to Pagosa Springs, which is about five and a half hours from here. Mm -hmm. And she got a job on an Indian reservation in New Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. So my parents went down and visited her back in February, fell in love with the place, decided to buy a house. And then his mom and stepdad did the exact same thing. So now they have both sets of parents coming to them when they're just getting their footing in a brand new place. And so I was there visiting and the joke was like, well, by the third day, you guys will be looking at real estate. And we were just <laughs> like, you know, but like, it's just, it's funny to me that I came here with the notion of like, my family's here. My parents are getting older. My sister's having kids. I feel like I need to plant here a little better, you know, cause I've been away from them for almost 20 I years. I moved and on the, you. Exactly. Yeah, Exactly. So it's it's a weird world that way, you know. I but I can think about how much easier it was on your parents to make the decision to just move to Pagosa Springs. Yeah, and that the because I, of that military lifestyle, you know, it's like we yeah, we have we've done yeah. this a hundred times versus people who yeah. have never moved, like leaving that. Can, I mean, can you imagine the emotional attachment some people probably have to a house they've lived in for forty mm-hmm. years? Oh yeah, sure. Well, and it was funny too because they lived in this house for fifteen years. And that was the longest they ever lived anywhere. So they definitely had attachment to that house. They had pretty much convinced themselves they were going to move into like an, you know, an older sort of retirement community. And Mm -hmm. so they gutted their house basically of, you know, 20 years of moves and all that stuff. And then even to the effect of they gave me and my sister all their gardening stuff and a bunch of crap in the house. And now they're moving into a two bedroom house or a three bedroom house again. And they need all this stuff. (laughs) It's just, it's very funny to see them going through that in, in their late 60s, early 70s. That is interesting. My, it's a, I don't think my dad is going to move from his house in, in Newcastle unless like, I don't know what it would take to get them to move, but they they moved a lot. And I think my dad's a little tired of it. Yeah. Finally settled down, huh? Yeah. And yeah, I think the only reason my mom will move is if my, not if, I mean, obviously yeah. they will die someday. Yeah. My grandparents die is to move closer to me and our child powerful thing grandkids are yep (laughs) (laughs) all right well we're sort of winding down here yeah you know one of the original thoughts i had if you could somehow wave the theoretical magic wand and change the way you grew up would you do it and i don't know if there's any merit to this question i don't know if it stays in but i i don't know i found the responses interesting you know it's like what would it look like to you what would be different what might not change at all Gosh, I think it's a very loaded question for me because I did have a very like unhappy childhood. There's a lot to unpack in that department, but I'm not like a a Christian kind of person. I don't necessarily believe in God. I'm not a super spiritual hippy dippy person, but there's certain (laughs) things that happen in my life that I'm like, wow, 
that's eerie. Maybe that mm. was the fact that I ended up going to the same high school that I would have gone to like 12 moves apart. Yeah. And that I ended up going to CU Boulder and that's where I met my husband. And my husband and I knew each other for nine years before we dated and kept touching base and losing track. And he's dating someone I'm dating, like, you know, and that I still ended up with him. And that led to all these other things that have brought me to this really happy place. I don't think that I would change anything. Oh, wow. Okay. Because any of those things might mean I wouldn't have Benaya. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much, he's, he's like the cornerstone of my life right now. Right on. I like that answer. I always think about the movie uh, Magnolia. I don't know if you remember that one, but no. you know, they first 10 minutes of that movie is just talking about these coincidences, right? And I think about that a lot too, about all the things that had to happen, all the people that had to meet, all the divorces and breakups and moves that I you know, dealt with that put me where I am at in a much happier place in my life than I've ever been as well. Yeah. And while you know, can't magically change anything that has happened, I do appreciate where I've I've wound up as well, you know. And so, upon further reflection, I think I would answer it very similar because I like where I've come, you know. Yeah, so like I like where I've gotten to. I appreciate the perspective I have on life and the world, and sure. Ultimately, now I'm I'm happier than I've ever been in my life, and I think I'm happier than a lot of other adults my age that have never dealt with anything difficult huh. necessarily and so now they like had it you know they're having to do all of that in their 20s and 30s and i'm like oh my gosh i'm so glad i got that done and over with. that's that's a killer perspective to sort of land on i like that well great uh thank you so much i really appreciate this i don't know how's this feel in your mind talking about it like this it's it's exciting i i really enjoy getting to talk stuff like this you know it's not Often that someone just wants to let you go on for an hour about your perspective <laughs> about something without sure. like wanting to like tell their perspective and their story. So yeah, uh -huh. you know, it's kind of fun sometimes to just talk like talk about yourself. <laughs> nice, and especially on something that someone else can relate to, and hopefully maybe someone else has a similar perspective or yeah. can chime in how they feel differently about something. But mm -hmm. I had a good time. Well, good. Yeah, and it's been interesting to me because I mean when I first kicked this out, I mean, I expected military kids and things like that. And other than my own sister, out of six people I've talked to so far and something like 20 that are interested in this, none are military. And so just getting the different perspectives now from, from people who had similar lives, but much, you know, different reasons for those lives has, has been pretty fascinating to me. Yeah, I'm excited to hear some of the other episodes and find out what caused other people to live this wild nomadic life. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for the time. It was really great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. It has been fun kind of reconnecting with various theater people that I've either crossed paths with or new people, you know, so it's, it's been kind of a fun nostalgic thing for me in a weird way, too. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it was super fun. Well, good luck with the kiddo and all of that. Thank you. Thank you. And, I'll take all the luck I can get. And the home improvement. All yes, that. that that we just need. We need a miracle and like $10,000 more. Oh, you know. So if you find $10,000 yeah, and sure. you just don't want it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. I'll put you on the list. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. All right. Well, thanks, Kate. I will let you back to your weekend. And Thank yeah. you. All right. Thanks. Take care. Right. Bye. Bye. That was my interview with Kate Anderson. Really enjoyed talking to her, getting to know her a little better as we've worked on a couple things. I will give a bit of an update. 
they had a little girl in June and everything seemed to have gone fine. Once again, I appreciate you listening to the show. Please rate and review wherever you found this podcast, especially on Apple. I'll be back again next month where I'm talking to an aspiring actor and stand-up comedian. All right. Thank you for listening. This is a production of the full medium.